0: All University podcast.
1: Doing more stuff that should work work better isn't necessarily the way forward. And doing as trying to build ourselves out from this crisis doesn't necessarily work. Instead, we could ask that: What can be left undone? What can we let go of? Is there something for which we don't need to have a new gadget or system or process?
0: In the ALDE University's strategy, our purpose has been written as follows. ALDE University's purpose is to shape a sustainable future. We do high quality research, excelling and making breakthroughs in and across science, art, technology and business. We spark the game changers of tomorrow and renew society with research based knowledge, creativity, and entrepreneurial mindset. All our work is guided by the values of the university. Responsibility, courage, and collaboration. Therefore, finding solutions for sustainability is one of the three cross-cutting approaches in our living strategy. Sustainability is, however, a complex and multifaceted field and many of us struggle to find meaningful ways to integrate sustainability into our everyday work. In this episode, we discuss integrating sustainability into teaching with Professor Matti Kuitinen from the Department of Architecture at Aal University. Matti also develops policies at the Ministry of the Environment. My name is Rika Evans, and this is Future Led Learning Podcast. Welcome aboard. Future-led learning
1: by Alta University.
0: Welcome, Matti.
1: Thank you, Rick.
0: Hey, let's start with the not so easy question. What got you interested interested in sustainability-related issues in your own field in the first place?
1: Yeah, that's really a good question. I think it goes way back uh, to my early days as a student of architecture, I believe. Uh, When we started to play with different materials, I found them super fascinating. And I I found interest, especially in vernacular materials such as clay and timber. So then I started to think that, that what sort of consequences does the use of these materials in construction cause? And that slowly evolved into something which would be perhaps called material literacy and an understanding about the impacts of material flows. However, I, I suppose that there is yet a deeper undercurrent somewhere. Maybe, maybe it comes from my child, childhood when uh, uh, I was uh, following my father taking care of bees and his very empathic approach. To these tiny creatures and and to, to butterflies and, and and to nature uh, I that was something that's that's like deep in my memory so maybe that sort of empathy towards nature also comes from there. so maybe it's a combination of these things
0: hmm. so it also comes from your values.
1: Yeah you could say so
0: yeah So in this episode our point is to look how do we integrate sustainability into our curriculum? Um, but let's start from, how big role does sustainability play in the field of architecture, in your opinion?
1: Well, that's a major driver nowadays. And, and it should have been for, for ages, of course. And unfortunately, it hasn't. If we just think about the, the construction sector or the built environment, which is accountable for roughly one third of all the greenhouse gas emissions in our society. Uh, so that's, that's a key challenge if we want to head towards the Paris Agreement's goal of keeping the global warming in in maximum 1.5 degrees. And that window is is almost closed now, unfortunately. But um, if we just think about the consumption of materials, and um, if we use half of annually consumed raw materials on the planet to construction, that's a huge share. And if we think about the growing global population, so there is going to be an increasing demand for construction materials that unfortunately come with embedded environmental impacts and, and, and harms so architects as designers and and sort of like master consumers of these materials have a significant role not only in addressing the climate change related issues and, and resource scarcity but also in addressing biodiversity loss now if Half of annually consumed raw materials go into construction. There is also a linkage to biodiversity loss because 90% of all biodiversity loss is related to the consumption of raw materials. So I would say that architects and and building designers in general have a major role in in making things in a better way. And of course, these big and scary figures could make somebody very depressed and even lose hope But I would see it from the other perspective that actually even incremental changes in everyday building design can lead into big benefits on a larger scale. So there is there is lots of potential in our profession.
0: You mentioned that this has been an important thing already, like throughout your life. Um, But was there a certain point when you started to bring this topic into your teaching and how did you do it?
1: i believe that was uh, some some 20 years ago when i first started um, teaching wood construction and and then then i got into also into into research of, of that field and then we were looking at at the the carbon flows in in the built environment and uh, going beyond energy efficiency so so we we were looking at the life cycle greenhouse gas emissions in in wood construction and other types of construction and then uh, I started to integrate that into the courses that I was teaching at that time, uh, industrial wood construction. So when I started uh, my professorship here at ALTO, I started also to develop new courses. And one of these was uh, something for the bachelor students, for the first year students. Uh, it's called Introduction to Sustainable Design. And then also as my uh, own interest in scien- scientific field is life cycle assessment, which is sort of like a nerdy stuff, nerdy side of uh, the quantitative side of, of, of sustainability. I also developed a course for for that.
0: How has this been taken by the students?
1: Well, I, I would say that this is a demand from the student side. And it's, it's great to see that there is this demand because I also have that sort of like passion of teaching these things. And uh, Students are frequently and uh, asking about more uh, studies and, and more education in the field of sustainable development. And um,
0: why as- is that?
1: Well, I think it's a it's a no brainer if we think uh, if we look around us and and uh, in our daily dose of media exposure, there's lots of sustainability and climate disaster related uh, content. And. Uh, Especially uh, the young generations, they they feel this heavy burden on their shoulders because mm-hmm. the the world that uh, we older generations have uh, taken for granted isn't for granted anymore for the for the next generations because of our decisions. So there is that sort of uh, sense of maybe uh, a climate urgency and also a certain tone of of melancholy and sometimes even lack of hope for the future. And uh, um, I think that it's it's important to, to equip the next generation of, of building designers and architects with tangible tools that can help to make the world better. Because there is still time to do that. It's not a, a, some sort of force of nature that we cannot resist at this moment. So at now we should really do all we can. And and because of the significant role of construction sector in addressing these global crises, I think that the students definitely need to have tools and approaches for handling them.
0: Future led Learning
1: by Alta University.
0: If we look at the bigger picture, susta- shaping a sustainable future is part of Aalto's strategy. Um, and higher education in general must respond to the sustainability crisis. Um, But could you elaborate a little bit, what is our responsibility and how do you see it?
1: Well, um, of course, from my perspective, I think that we should equip the change makers for a better future. However, I would like to erase the word sustainability totally, because it sort of like implies that there is an other way of going forward that's not sustainable. So as long as we have to talk about that we will implement sustainability into teaching and we will train sustainability professionals. It, it's also saying that there are other types of futures and other types of ways of behaving in the future. I wish that sustainability would be so self-evident in a couple of years, but maybe in, in decades, that you wouldn't have to underline it. It should be embedded into everything we do. We must grow up as humankind so that there isn't any other alternative behavior than a sustainable one.
0: As we know, we are not quite there yet. So how do we do it at the moment?
1: Uh, we are we aren't that good. Yes, that's true. But on the other hand, there is lots of hope. And there is hope especially in the in the young younger generation who are really taking sustainability related topics and, and accountability into the core of their approach to say architecture and uh, and, and other things. but I'm I must confess that I'm worried about the very slow pace of decision making especially in, in the in the policy making field and uh, that's partially due to our uh, democratic processes that take time and that's understandable and that's the way it has to go because we need to ensure that there is a just and a fair transition to a better world. But on the other hand, these things take too much time. and As we know that the time frame for limiting the global warming to 1.5 degrees, that's closing rapidly. So, so we would need to accelerate this. And one way of doing it faster would be actually uh, instead of incremental changes to aim at shift in values. And this is something that also the Club of Rome has been advocating. So if we could uh, somehow enter something called uh, maybe new enlightenment or, or, or some sort of like shift in value and shift in our culture then we could probably reach greater than incremental changes and that's something that we need to do it's about the uh, uh, survival of our culture it's not about the survival of human race of course but it's it's about the survival of our culture and about the living environments of the future
0: but how do we do it then when we actually have to sit down and develop the courses? And if it's something completely new to you, you haven't thought about it before. Mm-hmm. You are well uh, experienced since you've been doing it already for a long time. But if you think of it, if you put yourself into a position of a uh, academic who hasn't done it yet, how would you do it?
1: Well, first of all, I would like to... To frame it slightly differently, I, uh, I agree that there is a sense of this being a burden. But on the other hand, I would also suggest that we can, can see this as a privilege, that we can really do something good uh, through the education that we are giving. And um, I think that uh, maybe a good starting point, of course, in addition to finding out about what are the hottest sustainability topics in one's own field of science or, or practice would be to then break them down into two different, like flight altitudes. The higher flight altitude, which is the holistic side to sustainability, understanding the interdependencies and having sort of like 360 degree view on on sustainability in, in one's own field. But then there is the lower flight altitude with the more detailed level, the practical tangible level in which you really need to equip the students with tools and methods. How do I get it done? I think we need the both. We need to have the holistic understanding and we need to have the practical um, skills. So these are, I think, the. without both of these, it's going to be biased. And of course, this, this calls for uh, resources for all of, all of us, all, all the teachers, so that we really have time to, to look at these things and also to learn more ourselves. And sometimes uh, it's a good learning experience uh, to learn also from your students. Uh, and uh, at, at least every year in the f- with the first year students uh, course, uh, that is more towards the holistic side. It's a discussion based course. Uh, I always get new inspiration, and I, I always discover new questions that that should be addressed. So I think that. Uh, uh, we must be rather open that this is new to all of us. We haven't seen, for instance, this rate of glacier melting since uh, the Neanderthals were walking among us. And there are no written records, at least not, none discovered yet, about how that process goes. So, So nobody can know what are the planetary responses to the human activities so therefore, I think it's we should be open that uh, none of the professors or, or, or teachers at Aalto necessarily has all the answers. I think we we don't need to to carry that burden of having to know all the answers, but we must lead the way towards solution, not deeper into the crisis. And there's one important aspect that sometimes I feel that is is missing from the uh, sometimes is missing from the the, the public discourse. It's that you don't necessarily solve uh, the existing problems by continuing doing things in the same manner that you've done before. So doing more stuff that should work, work better isn't necessarily the way forward. And doing as, trying to build ourselves out from this crisis doesn't necessarily work. Instead, we could ask that what can, we, what, what can be left undone? What can, be, what can we let go of? Is there something for which we don't need to have a new gadget or system or process? Can we take a couple of steps back in a controlled manner um, and and, um, find new meanings and and also inspiration and innovation from that?
0: How has the academic community in your department responded to the growing demand to add sustainability?
1: Well, we have... um, In my view, we have been, we have taken that quite uh, seriously and uh, we have had some workshops and and discussions that how shall we embed sustainability into the teaching. So we indeed have have, uh, started to develop new bachelor level and master level courses to the curricula, which are mandatory. So there is a, I would say quite constructive and, and logical approach in adding more sustainability. But again, I'd like to come back to the, to the thing that sustainability shouldn't be some, some sort of add-on to your courses or modules. It should be something that's the cross-cutting accountability in everything we do. Unfortunately, again, as we think about the definition of the term sustainability and sustainable development, it's so many things if we just think about the three classic pillars of sustainability ecological economic and social sustainability it's clear that there are things that are contradicting with each other so we might have a good intention to do good somewhere which causes collateral damage on some other pillars of sustainability and this makes it so complex that you could argue that well most likely many things that we do are sustainable when measured with something but are they adequate and are they addressing the most urgent questions and and i feel that uh, in instead of just uh, looking at the uh, the very good un sustainable development goals i think that we should also uh, broaden and, and uh, our our perspective to, towards the concept of planetary boundary boundaries and the donut economy understanding that there are some planetary boundaries that we have violated in a more severe manner than others. And then try to connect that what is uh, the how can my profession and how can my field of science support good actions in those sectors of, of planetary boundaries, that would could be one way forward.
0: Could you give us some tangible examples of that?
1: Well, if we think about construction and, and planetary boundaries, um, I think that there are three main sectors in which construction can really make a difference. Uh, first one is climate change, second is biodiversity loss and third is land use change. So there are many things that that uh, we can uh, do in, in these and uh, maybe starting from the material side, uh, acknowledging that construction is the main consumer of uh, annually used raw materials. Uh, If we just think about the uh, emissions that are associated to the production of cement, steel, aluminium and plastics, by 2050 the production of these materials that are mostly used in construction uh, is going to cause over 900 gigatons of CO2 emissions. It's an abstract figure, but if if the remaining carbon budget for the entire globe for keeping the global warming in 1.5 degrees is 500 gigatons. So just from the production of these four materials, the emissions are almost two, uh, two times as much as we have for the remaining carbon quota. So that may be as one example underlines the capacity uh, that uh, or underlines the agency that construction sector professionals should have. And of course there are several ways of approaching this, being more material efficient, being more energy efficient, but I would like to redefine uh, the priorities for construction. Typically at uh, in, in, in many universities that are teaching architecture and building design, uh, most of the education is focused at designing new buildings. However, I think that building anything new should be the least preferred option and that most preferred option should be to build nothing, just utilize the existing spaces. And if that's not possible, then the next preferred option should be to slightly renovate existing space and adapt your own spatial needs into those frames. And the third preferred option would be then to refurbish an existing building so that it fits to your needs. And then the least preferred option should be to build something new. So I I think that's Turning the entire priority upside down is something that we really need to consider. And traditionally, we have uh, trained professionals who design buildings to design new buildings and to a certain extent to think about renovation or refurbishment. And I think that this is a serious point of self-reflection that we need here. What sort of curriculum should we have if the purpose would be to avoid consuming resources for construction
0: yeah shifting the sort of perspective to how do you see your own work might sometimes be kind of painful how do you approach that on the sort of emotional side if just someone says that no this is too hard this Mm. is uh, this this is impossible how would you then address that
1: I think it's it's very important that you are raising this topic, because it. I think that if we were immune to feelings in front of this global uh, crisis, there would be something wrong in us. And um, recently, during the, the past years, I've been increasingly thinking about the role of arts, design and culture as a way of adapting uh, ourselves to the new future and uh, as ways of uh, dealing with different difficult feelings. And I think that uh, we we must have um, some channels through which we can um, somehow work with these feelings and somehow try to understand these feelings and give shape or wording or or some sort of like understandable form to those difficult feelings. Otherwise it, they, they will be too heavy to carry. And there I think that uh, in addition to rational ways of dealing with those, we, we desperately need a cultural side, a artistic side. And some scholars have also suggested that we also, also might need new rituals and and, think, uh, and maybe even some, some uh, societal ways of, of dealing with these, with the sorrow that's related and, and uh, to the uncertain future and to the sense of helplessness. But I, I feel that we would uh, need to integrate uh, Aalto's offering in arts and design more deeply into other fields of, of science and, and technology. Because we can't, in my view, solve these uh, huge environmental and societal crises with only technological and economic tools. We need to have the, the latent potential of arts, design, and culture in our toolbox as well. And therefore, I I think it's so interesting that there is a a great possibility now for that uh, on maybe on an unexpected level, namely on the level of the European Commission, because there is this uh, new initiative, uh, which is uh, uh, promoted by none less than Ursula von der Leyen, uh, the president of the Commission herself. It's the new European Bauhaus. Which of course refers to the 100-year-old original Bauhaus architecture and design school that was revolutionary in its approach to design and architecture. It was so revolutionary that the the then Nazi government in Germany closed it down in in less than in, in 10 years or so because it was too radical. But now the idea is that since uh, Europe wants to um, lead uh, in in green transition and in climate action, uh, we must also um, Take the potential of, of culture along into our toolbox. And that's why ALTO has ALTO was actually the first uh, university partner uh, in the New European Bauhaus. And currently we are working in integrating the ideals of the New European Bauhaus into our education. And these these uh, ideals or principles are sustainability, inclusion and aesthetics. So we are quite deeply involved in that and I hope that it it would be inspirational not only for architecture and design, but also for other fields of science and technology and and business that Aalto has.
0: Future-led learning. How do you bring this into the curriculum work with your colleagues? And how do you, how would you approach this, say, also from the multidisciplinary approach which is also important for our Aldo University.
1: So far we have uh, uh, developed uh, a set new courses, uh, a new mandatory master course uh, with different uh, fields of um, uh, architecture. Ar- we have landscape architecture and, and interior architecture in addition to the so-called traditional architecture. So we are we are bringing this um, the course called sustainable design principles that addresses uh, sustainability issues in all of these disciplines of architecture so that's that's one way and then of course uh, we are trying to collaborate more with the students of structural engineering and building technology in in a a sustainability assessments and we have a a course that's uh, introduces the digital assessment tools to students who are working with building design and that's open for students uh, from from all the departments and then uh, also the uh, the entry-level course which is for the first year students this more like holistic introduction to sustainable design we have decided that that should be open also for the open university side and also for students from other departments if they were interested in that so so I'm trying to you know keep doors open but of course we all understand the practical realities that we just have so much space in the classrooms or we just have so much tutors or assistants uh, for teaching the course so these are things that uh, are the, are the are sometimes limiting factors and uh, I think that there should be more resources for these sort of practicalities so that the practicalities wouldn't become hindrances in taking forward things that otherwise would have greater potential.
0: Matti, um, research in sustainability education has identified certain competencies such as systemic thinking, anticipatory thinking and normative thinking as competencies the graduates should have for the uh, future working life. How do we integrate these into the curriculum?
1: Well, how I have tried to approach these things, which aren't my bread and butter, I must admit, uh, is that um, I've tried to... uh, you know, give exercise for students' brains uh, in in both on the on the very holistic and systems level thinking and on the other hand, on very practical design exercises and analysis. And this is something that I think it's it's, it's very logical in the in the field of architecture. So we must be able to see a quite broad picture and we must be able to paint with a broad brush. To get the first ideas and to get the priorities right but then we really need to work through the nitty-gritty details and the boring stuff so that these broader visions become reality so so i think that's essential but also that's something that's uh, rather ancient in the education of architecture if you for instance open the first known book of architecture uh, the Ten Books of Architecture by Vitruvius, uh, the, the Roman scholar. So you can already see this from, from his writings, that there is the systemic level, the broader understanding of, of the society, and then there is the almost the atomic level of understanding, for instance, how sound goes in an amphitheater. So there are, there are these all these different scales that one should address and I think that leads into rather balanced uh, learning experience. Then, if we can include these, it's not easy, of course. But I think that we should keep that as a goal.
0: Thank you. I like the I like how that sounds. And I think we should have a more broader view than just just field specific.
1: And maybe I could add to that that on on that holistic level or systemic level, I think it's that it should be very okay to feel uncertain and not to know everything, but still be able to do something on that level. And I think that this is especially in, the, in, in front of the turbulent times that the Anthropocene will bring us. That's so necessary that even with the feeling of being a little bit lost or uncertain or insecure or maybe uh, sentimental, you still are able to act. And, and paint a picture that this is the vision that we should try to achieve.
0: Future Let Learning
1: by Alta University.
0: Matti, this conversation has been very um, enlightening and educative to me too. And is there anything that you would add that we haven't discussed?
1: Well, maybe that's the digital dimension that I feel that it's getting more and more important in, in education. And uh, we have tried to really Get into the world of making these online courses. Uh, we started with the collaboration of Aalto University and Yale University, uh, developing this online learning course called Decarbonized Design. And then we continued uh, for publish- by publishing the first Finnish course on low carbon construction uh, online lectures. And now we are continuing in this uh, in the in the framework of the new European Bauhaus. So. I think that this the the classical flipped classroom principle sometimes helps really much to get into the acu- actual questions that the students have. So by flipping the classroom providing the students with online lectures and then really working with the with the remaining questions during the contact teaching time that's a very healthy thing. And that also supports uh, in in uh, for the students to combine uh, the ideas and inspiration they get from other sources. So I think that we really shouldn't be uh, to uh, afraid or, or restrict uh, the, uh, the use of digital tools and YouTube and, and uh, all that content that is out there. Uh, but we should be, uh, be aware of what's out there and we should also play our role in that sphere. I think that Aal- Alta should also have strong digital presence. And that's something that I believe that goes beyond uh, the campus That should be our societal impact in the digital dimension.
0: You you mentioned earlier about students' emotions regarding sustainability crisis, regarding climate crisis. How do you address those issues in your teaching?
1: That's a very important topic. And I really feel uh, that uh, uh, the teachers and professors, we should take that into account and we have certain responsibility. If we just pour on the the hard facts uh, and and, and let the students survive with those, it might be overwhelming and it might add to the already existing level of climate and environmental anxiety. And therefore, I've been um, uh, talking to our university psychologists, asking help that how should I address these things in the courses? And... uh, and based on these discussions, I actually um, am inviting guest lecturers who are sp- specifically speaking about climate anxiety and environmental anxiety at my courses. And that's relevant on two levels. First of all, it's relevant for the students themselves because they then get to know how to deal with these feelings and they learn to start building uh, some hope. But on the other hand, when the students would then work in real life with projects that are addressing these difficult questions, then they are meeting colleagues and clients and end users who are maybe going through the same difficult feelings. And then the students would also have some understanding how you can approach these emotions. And I think it's so important now that we all, students and teachers and professors, everybody at Alda, would even though it sounds a bit naive, but we should try to connect to those emotions that these global crisis have awoken in, in us. So we really should try to be sensitive in how does it feel and what sort of expressions do those feelings cause when I'm talking about them to students. And, and what can I do to, uh, to work with those feelings so that they become a, a source of inspiration and energy instead of source of depression and anxiety.
0: I wouldn't call that naive. Speaking as a pedagogical specialist, I think that it is so important when we think of the study ability of our students and then also our graduates ability to work in the working life and then also being the game changer. Matti, thank you.
1: Thank you, Rika. It was a pleasure.
0: The University Podcast.